Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Jolenta. It has been one week since we lived by the little book of Huga. And you know what that means? Coco! And it means... It's time for another By the Book mini-sode. That is right. It's time for our By the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of Living by the Little Book of Huga by Mike Viking and reading through some of the great messages you, our listeners, have sent in. First and foremost, we have to discuss our pronunciation of the word Huga. We weren't really sure if we were <laughs> doing it right in the episode, and so we were thrilled to get this video message via our Facebook community page from Batel, who actually lives in Copenhagen, Denmark. Here she is. Hi. Um, I just listened to the first part of the new episode on hygge. Um, So I thought I'd share with you how to say hygge in Danish. It's, um, well, as I said it, hygge. I think you're doing a great job uh, saying the word. Also, um, as a note, this is what a normal Dane wears. Like, pretty casual. Black, I'm not sure if you can see it. Black, 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 all the way. Very typical Danish. Uh, have a great December. Bye. Oh my gosh, Batal, that was so You are the cutest. Great. And you, you know, I'm if you're so listening glad. now, you can't actually see the video, but go to our Facebook community page because she is so cute and you get to see what she's wearing and 
you know, it's all black. It's all mm-hmm. bundled up and sweatery. It's all those things. Thank you for saying we did a good job. Yes, we did surprisingly well. And you know what was so great? We didn't just hear from somebody in Denmark on this episode. We heard from people all over from that part of the world, including Anna from Sweden, who wrote to us on Twitter. Yeah, Anna said, fun episode. Come see us in the summer. Still with the cozy, but much longer days. Also, I need that Christmas movie list ASAP. Oh, my God. Can we talk about that Christmas movie list for a second? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jolenta, don't look like you're not excited. I know you like some Christmas movies, too. I do. I do. I take issue with a few things on your list. Well, first of all, let's tell listeners where they can find your list. All right. So by popular demand, I posted some of my 60 favorite. Just some of her 60. Well, no, no. I just put, So I put out a list of 60. My list in my heart is much longer. There might be 500 movies, but I, I just, 60 mm-hmm. of them. I put mm-hmm. 60 of them on our Facebook community page. And that was prompted partly because some of the listeners on our community page started a conversation about the movies and wanting the list. And they were all listing their favorite movies. And I felt like, you know what? I just need to step in here and just post Step the in list. with that quick 60. Yeah. Yeah. But Jolenta, let's talk about this. I know that you like Christmas movies. You always talk about that Muppet one. Well, I love a Muppet family Christmas. Yeah. I am a child of the very late 80s, if not early 90s, so I love A Muppet, I love Sesame Street, and I love Fraggle Rock, and this Christmas special put them all together. Even Jim Henson, the human, is in it for a split second, so it's like all of the worlds combining. Everyone's at Fozzie Bear's mom's house. They all, like, crash Hold on, what does Fozzie Bear's mom look like? She looks like Fozzie Bear with a gray wig on. That's all. Like, I'm convinced it's the same puppet. They just, like, put a wig on one. Um, They all go, and, like, then Sesame Street shows up, and they're carolers, and then in the basement they find a fraggle hole, and it's amazing. Wow. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about worlds colliding like that, actually. Oh, I love when worlds collide. I do love all things Muppets, though. Yeah. I just think I have take some issue with, like, you know, the desk sets and the diehards of Why? the group. Because, yes, there is Christmas in the movie, also, but it is Catherine not a Hepburn. I love desk set. It is a great workplace comedy that has a Christmas party in it. The Christmas party is over half the movie. It's, I'd say... And it's the, the other last half of 30 the movie, minutes. The Fine. other half of the movie is the lead up to the Christmas party. It is all Christmas all but the it's time an, in that movie. It's an office comedy. It's not about Christmas. Also, can we point out something mm-hmm. that Nora Ephron's parents wrote that? So, of course. Those are Nora Ephron's yes, parents? Yes. Nora Ephron, who mm-hmm. famously did When Harry Met Sally, which right. I also consider a Christmas movie, and I know not everybody agrees with that either. It's just, I feel like yeah, you're making some reaches. I don't think they're reaches. I just think that the Christmas in the movies touch my heart in a way where the whole movie becomes about Christmas for me. Yeah, it's just the Christmas doesn't make the story for me as much as it does for you, I think. I think that what you're doing is accusing me of being a Christmas nut. And I am. I'm owning I am. it. You are. You're insane. Anything that has like the word Christmas in it, you're like, it's all about Christmas. It is. It is. And I'm fine with it. And as it turns Good. out, we have lots of listeners who are also crazy Christmas nuts. And it was so nice to hear from them. Gina wrote us to say, great episode. Without realizing it, I pretty much live the Huga lifestyle. My husband loves Christmas, and through his enthusiasm, so do I. He starts playing Christmas music in October. As soon as Christmas movies are on TV, we start watching sometimes up to three a day. Yes. This yes. sounds like your dream family. Christmas. Yes, I want to be adopted by this family. <laughs> the first weekend of December, we go somewhere Christmassy. This year, it was to Seneca Falls. Oh, my gosh. That is actually the inspiration for Bedford Falls and It's a Wonderful Life. I know that. Yes, Seneca Falls. Hello. Oh, my gosh. They have a thing every year there. Anywho, sorry. Uh, she goes on to say, living in rural Ontario, Canada, we 
experience wonderful winters. Well, I like them anyway. Having a fireplace or wood stove and soft lighting and winter throw blankets in our home is just natural for us. And wearing wool socks is a given. My husband and I purchased a property and built a small one-room cabin with a cozy wood stove. We love to escape to it on weekends and just sit with nature and a pot of soup warming on the stove all day. This morning, while listening to your podcast, I took my morning walk in negative 29 degrees Celsius. Hey, that's negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit for those who use Fahrenheit. In my big, thick black coat and black snow pants and scarf. Oh, and a warm black toque. That's What's also that? a beanie for oh. those of you. My dad, who's from Michigan, says toque. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't I think know it's that Canadian. Word. He also worked in Canada for oh, a while, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nice warm black toque. Uh, there is nothing better than coming home to a warm bowl of chili, stew, or many amazing other dinners cooked in our crock pot all day. Love your podcast, ladies, and looking forward to the next one. Oh my God. I love that, so that letter from Gina so much. It's like everything I love about winter, everything I love about Christmas. Mm-hmm. I love soup. Yeah. I love all of it, except for the wearing all black. Oh, that I love. I know, That's the one thing that. I get behind. Yeah. All right, but let's get real here. Beyond the Christmasiness and mm-hmm. the black clothes and all that, some of the Huga philosophies that we got to in our verdict can be a little tough for some people. And Mm -hmm. we got this great voicemail from one of our listeners talking about that. Hi, Jalenta and Kristen. My name is Tanya. I just got done listening to your review of The Little Book of Huga. Um, I happened to pick this book up in the library last summer and read it, and I could not agree more with your review of the book. I also have to agree with Kristen. I listened to it during a time when I was a little bit lonely and looking for things. And so that idea of coziness with those you know well um, was a little bit hard because it wasn't a time when I could gather people close to me that I knew well. And it was sort of reinforcing what I was feeling at the time, which was, do I really have any real friends? Because a lot of the people I was around at that time and interacting with were more acquaintances. Um, The other thing, too, is as somebody who has a child, I I love the idea of all the candles, but I'm totally paranoid about burning a lot because of fear of my children catching the house on fire, if not me. Oh, yeah. I'm a full-on grown-up, and I'm afraid of burning the house down with the candles. Oh, yeah. I've lived in a building that got burnt down. I'm I know. very afraid of fires. And yet but you I, have yet so many I candles in candles. your house. I do so keep, like, I am very, very vigilant. And, you know, if I leave the room, that candle is blown out. Yeah. And then I light it again when I come back in. I'm a little candle OCD. Yeah. But, yes, the, I totally forgot about kids. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tanya. Thank you for dangerous. reminding us children exist. Yeah. And then to get back to that loneliness thing. Mm. Oh, God, I feel that. Yeah. I, I've been and I've there. had those winters, like my first few winters in New York where I didn't know a ton of people and some people already left and you just have that week alone where everything's gray and cold and you're like, I don't know anyone. I can't even have a cozy night with like one friend over right now. Like, so it can sad. be really sad. Yeah. It can be really I totally, sad. Totally get that. At least there are Christmas movies, though. Thank God for Christmas movies. <laughs> you know, right. they help through the loneliness you're a little right. bit. And I'm not even kidding. I've no, had many lonely Christmases no, I, where I think you are totally yeah. right. For me, it's usually just like a marathon of the TV show House. But for you, <laughs> it's Christmas. Many, movies. many times in my life, Christmas movies have helped me through loneliness. So 
Tanya, I hope that maybe if you're ever feeling lonely, you and the kids can just sit down and watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. No, not that one. Too sad. Maybe they can sit down and watch Elf together. Elf is sick. Elf is so Love funny. Elf. I mean, I don't want to say that. Good I'm news. A cotton, I, I saw many a dog today. Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> World's best cup of coffee. You know, yes. my friend is Buddy the Elf on Broadway. Shut up. Eric Williams. Plung for Eric if this makes it to air. Uh, okay. You know what? We need to take a quick break. We will have more listener mail for you in a hot second. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Okay, Jolenta, mm-hmm. we're back. Let's talk about something that I brought up in my verdict on the Little Book of Huga, and that is the issue of culture and privilege when it comes to Huga. Yeah. A lot of our listeners had this to say about that. Dana from Ontario says, I'm literally buying this book tonight. I do live in a socialized society, so I guess I do have some of the privileges to do Huga without too much strain. That makes me feel guilty, but instead I will change my attitude and be thankful for being Canadian and white and born in prosperous Ontario in this case. I do not want to always feel guilty about my privileges, and this book sounds like it will inspire some reasons to use all the kindling I've collected from the previous books. I love the podcast. Love you, ladies. And Cameron. Yay, Yay, Cameron. Shout out. (laughs) Yay. Oh, Dana. She raises some super interesting points. She does. She really does. And I mean, first of all, I have to say she's not the first person who's mentioned that some of the books we cover are kindling for them. Yes, yes. That's been a common (laughs) thread in our feedback. Many people say that they're going to use Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus as their kindling this year. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's very good to recycle bad books. Yes, it is. Um, But as far as guilt and Mm -hmm. privilege, I mean, obviously people in Canada have certain privileges that we don't in the U.S. I mean, having socialized medicine, hot damn. I'm so jealous. So fantastic. And then there's the issue of race. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not white. I am white. You are white. Uh, I feel guilty about it constantly. Feel guilty about it? How? Not not guilty. White white guilt is real. Like, I know that I was born in a body that, you know, for the most part gets the benefit of the doubt that other people don't, literally because of just what they look like when they walk into a room. And I know that's not fair. And I think about it a lot and I beat myself up about it a lot, you know. But I don't think that whiteness is something to feel guilty about. I think it's something to be aware of right. and to fight the power. I mean, yeah. I'm not white and mm-hmm. I deal with all sorts of shit that as you know, you don't deal with like right. how many times a day does somebody yell at me, "Where are you from?" or That's compliment insane. me on my English or <laughs> Hey, China girl, I want this. No. Or presume that I'm good at math when everyone knows I freaking oh, suck at math. Oh, she's math. Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, as everyone knows from hearing me sing on this podcast, I'm not musical. I can't play the violin. Ugh. Not good at the yeah. piano. And there are a lot of certain 
stereotypes associated with what it means to be an Asian woman, and Mm -hmm. most of those things just don't match me. And I can't imagine how much harder it is to be a black man in the U.S. It's just, I mean, yes, I can imagine to a certain extent. I, you know, I have black friends and family members, but um, I don't think this is a question about guilt, and I don't think anyone should be treating it as something to be guilty about, but aware of the fact that there is privilege. Right. And aware of the fact that Tuhuga might mean you are all also uh, a little lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, and I think gratefulness is a big factor. Yeah, it's like I could probably do a lot more good in the world if I was just grateful for what I had and then moved on instead of being like, I'm sorry, like, I was born this It's not about being sorry for being white. It's about calling other white people on their shit Yeah, and about not being part of the problem. Holding everyone to equal and good standards. Yeah, white people, keep your white people in check, okay? Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? I think, I think you are. Okay. I'm going to say it. I just said it. other white people in check for you. You do that all the do time. My best. My fr- you, I you always do that, my friend. You do. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Whoa. That totally went off the hook of track. Yeah. But not really. Um, no. On a related note, Kristen, we received a letter from Joy, who has her own take on the so-called privilege of Huga. Joy writes... I grew up in a Huga-like home, my grandmother being full Norwegian. We lived in the Midwest. I disagree with your take on it being a lifestyle for the privileged. We were certainly not privileged in any sense of the word. However, my family had a Huga atmosphere in that coziness. Fires in the fireplace, candles, knitting, walks, etc. were embraced, but it felt like an attitude, one of optimism, almost mindfulness. Snow and cold would arrive and we would be excited, not complain like so many East Coasters do. I live in Philly now, she says. We knit and quilted at night and we used the blankets and sweaters for warmth. There is an economy to the Scandinavian lifestyle, an attitude that through hard work and optimism, life will be good. I guess the problem I had with the book is that it reduced the Hoga lifestyle to something cute and for the privileged rather than a real way of life, which is definitely more complicated. Keep up the good work. I love this point, and I think it, it really gets to my frustration with this book. Like, this book is little and cutesy and adorable and looks like it should be an anthropology, and it sort of promotes, like, the more like the trendy huga that's happening right now and all those like 12 things you need to buy this instant for like a huga Christmas, you know? And that whole trend sort of defeats the purpose of huga itself. Like it's not new and trendy and like redecorate your whole house like this. It's this came about because people were cold and living spread out and needed to find joy in dark, long months and not like be adorable hipsters. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point. So thank you so much, Joy, for writing in with that point of view. Okay, before we move on, I want to talk about an email we got from a listener named Brittany. She says, Jolenta and Kristen, I love Buy the Book and have listened to every episode. I really appreciate that even when you like a book a lot, you identify issues you or someone else may have with it. I thought you did an especially great job with that on the Huga podcast. That being said, I also wanted to give a criticism of this episode. Being the lovely feminist that you are, I was a little disappointed to hear the only commentary about the author of the book, apart from him being Danish, be about his junk. If we were listening to a podcast done by men and their only commentary of a female author was about her breasts in her jacket photo, we would be outraged. I think you are both super well-intentioned and that you just thought it was amusing to include, but it felt like kind of a cheap way to fill airtime and probably would have been better left as a private joke among friends. All right. Jolenta? Yes. Let's address this because yeah. this 
This is something that you and I kidded about, but then also it's something that at your party Mm -hmm. came up um, in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I would like to say, Brittany, thank you for calling me out on this. Uh, By playing that clip of my friends at my party, I was trying to illustrate that it's hard to take this book and the author seriously. Like I said before, the book itself is very cutesy and looks sort of like an anthropology gimmick. And it's kind of a fluffy subject. My friends were making fun of the fact that this whole book about living a better life is just like cozy and sweaters. Also, it's like half of the book is cute little illustrations. It's really cute drawing. (laughs) I mean, I love the book. I'm not like knocking it for being cute, but it is also a somewhat serious lifestyle book. You know, they also like try to quote studies in it. So it's hard to take seriously. That's what I was trying to illustrate. And in fact... On the back of the book, it's just a big glamour shot of Mike Viking that is clearly meant, I think, to impress the ladies. But you are right. That's not the best way to illustrate the fact that this book was hard to take seriously. I could have just said what I said right now instead of playing that clip, which was sort of immature and uh, pandered to some, you know, low-hanging fruit. So uh, it won't happen again, Brittany. And thanks for calling me on my shit. Thanks, Brittany. All right, so that's it for listener mail this week. We have a ton more mail, but we just can't get through all of it. We just can't do it. No, too many hookah letters. (laughs) So many hookah letters. And probably the really good listener mail is coming on like a wood grain postcard from Denmark, and like we won't get it for another week because hookah is slow and adorable. Oh, it is so sweet and so slow. All right. Um, (laughs) Shall we announce our next book, Kristen? Oh, my gosh, it's that time to do it. Yes. Our next book is... Why Good Things Happen to Good People, How to Live a Longer, Healthier, and Happier Life by the Simple Act of Giving by Stephen G. Post and Jill Nymark. Will we learn how to be good people? Will good things happen to us? What does being good even mean? We don't know. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. Join us next week to find out. Thanks again to everyone who reached out. Reminder, you can reach us at any time at 505-510-BOOK. Or write to us at buythebook at panoply.fm. And, of course, join our Facebook community to add to the conversation, to start new threads, to post pictures of yourself in your cute hookah clothes, to post any of your favorite Christmas movies. I want to find out about your favorite Christmas movies. You can do all of that on our Facebook community page. Please join us there. Thanks, as always, to our ultra huga producer, Cameron Drews. He's wrapped in a big blanket right now while he's recording this. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Bye-bye! Have a holly jolly Christmas. I can't. It's the best time of the year. Damn, I turned down the volume, I but then you were know. in the room. It's a beast of- <laughs> I was- you can't turn me off. I know. You cannot turn me off. I was so proud, though, because I was like, screw this. <laughs> and then you were oh. still singing. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.